ಓಂ ಜ್ಞಾನತಿಂಧಸ್ಯಾನಂಜನಶಲಾಖಯ Translation, the king's residence was surrounded by gardens wherein there were varieties of trees brought from the heavenly planets. In those trees there were pairs of sweetly singing birds and almost mad bumblebees which made a very relishable buzzing sound. in the uh, purport in this verse the word amaradrumahi with trees brought from the heavenly planets is very significant the heavenly planets are known as amaraloka the planets where death is very much delayed because the people there live for 10000 years according to the calculations of the demigods in which our six months are equal to one day the demigods live in the heavenly planets for months years and 10000s of years according to demigod time and then again after the results of their pious activities are exhausted they fall down to this earth these are the statements that can be collected from vedic literature as the people live as the people there live for 10000 years so also do the trees of course here on this earth there are many trees which live for 10000 years so what to speak of the trees on the heavenly planets they must live for many for more than many 10000s of years and sometimes as practiced even now some valuable trees are taken from one place to another it is elsewhere stated that when lord krishna went to the heavenly planets with his wife satyabhama satyabhama he took a parijata flower tree from heaven and brought it to the earth there was a fight between krishna and the demigods due to the parijata trees being taken from the heaven to this planet The parijata was planted in the palace of Lord Krishna which was occupied by Queen Satyabhama. The flower and fruit trees in the heavenly planets are superior for they are very pleasant and tasteful and it appears that in the palace of Maharaj Uttanapada there were many varieties of such trees. Uh, in this verse is a continuing description of the capital of Maharaj Uttanapada and specifically uh, in this verse the gardens surrounding the king's palace is being described and it all sounds very pleasing and aesthetic uh, however we can understand that it's not simply because it's pleasing and aesthetic to set up a city in this way or the residence of the king uh, that's not the only reason why it's done well it's done because it's pleasing and aesthetic and not everyone can live like that so seeing a big house with big gardens which means that there's a big retinue also to keep everything in order big uh, or large number of workers it means that this person's an important person someone who's working in the garden is not as important as the owner of the garden and the biggest 
residence with the most number of workers should belong to the king. So, apart from being beautiful, pleasing, and aesthetic, the gardens and palace of a king, uh, they're suitable for a king, and a king should be respected. Otherwise, can't be a king. He has to rule others, and the ruler has to be respected. And uh, keeping uh, opulent surroundings and much property, this is the ambition of kings, to get more and more and more, more than other kings, and show themselves to be very important. This is the nature of greed, that even though one has more than enough for one's maintenance, but why do people desire more and more and more? It's greed. Um, There may be various reasons for greed. One is it brings a sense of false security to have many possessions, if you think, I have so many things. And another is to show oneself greater than others. A man who has uh, a crore of rupees has, all right, let's up it a bit, say a hundred crores of rupees, has uh, more than enough money to fulfill all his fulfillable desires. If he desires, for instance, to go to the uh, heaven... Well, all, all of his fulfillable desires on this, in this present time, place and circumstance. He may desire to go to the heavenly planets. The money in and of itself can't bring him there. But as far as living comfortably with lots of servants throughout his life, a person who has a hundred crores of rupees, if he's in India at least, if he has them in America, the value would be a lot less. But he could live uh, very comfortably and very opulently all his life. But nevertheless, we find people who have these sums of money. There are such people in India, of course, and they're busy, even if they're old men, making more money. And they want to show that they have more than others. They want to... Uh, well, what's the reason for that? They all, uh, The acquisition of more and more, they, they feel that their importance is increased by having more and more and more. And sometimes they show that off uh, the philanthropy is a means of showing off one's wealth. It's not just done out of uh, good wishes for others. Because after all, the acquisition of wealth in the modern age is mostly by exploitation of others. But then later they want to show their important. They, they acquire wealth to... Uh, not simply for the sake of filling their belly, because they have much more than they need for that, but to uh, show their greatness over others. And they do that by exploiting others, and then when they want to uh, show some philanthropy, open hospitals or schools or whatever, they also uh, that's also to show their greatness over others. I can do so much to help people. So it's all actually an expression of envy for Krishna. Because Krishna is the uh, 
Bhuktaram yagya tapasam sarva loka maheshwaram suhridam sarva bhutanam. Krishna is the uh, proprietor of everything, the enjoyer of everything, and the friend of everyone. But materialistic people want to show themselves to be fulfilling these roles, and therefore gyatva mang shantim richati, they do not attain peace for all their endeavors. They're never satisfied. And therefore they're more and more and more greedy because they want respect. They, they, they want others to respect them as being very great, which is an expression, it's an expression of envy for Krishna because devotional service means to accept that I'm the servant of Krishna. And actually this whole incident of, uh, or this whole episode of Dhruva Maharaj leaving home and returning home, it, uh, it all began with one incident where he was disrespected. And as a young five-year-old boy, you wouldn't think he'd take it so seriously, but it seems he had a, an adult mentality. And he took it very seriously. And when he did come back home, even uh, Suruchi, his stepmother, or Suniti, Suniti. Huh? Suruchi is the stepmother. Even she respected him. But he was no, he, he wanted to have a kingdom greater than that of uh, Lord Brahma, means he wanted to be respected more than anyone in the universe. Otherwise, having a kingdom, it's uh, in and of itself, it's troublesome. <laughs> Which is why sadhus, they live as simply as possible, because the more possessions we have, the more we have to worry about them and look after them, and it takes our time and our trouble and our energy. And sadhus are persons who would rather concentrate their time and their trouble and energy on something more valuable and more meaningful than having lots of properties. But uh, materialistic people, they, they take the burden of having lots of properties. It's actually a burden to manage it all and protect it all and maintain it all. But they do that because it gives them a sense of worth and other people respect them for that. But anyway, by the time Dhruva Maharaj came back, he had become a Vaishnava. And so his motivation was different. He was no longer interested in respect or being respected. And that's one of the hallmarks of a devotee. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says, Trunada pisuni chena taror eva well-known verse. Well-known, easy to say, but not so easy to live up to because we're so much conditioned by the uh, other way of thinking, the opposite way of thinking. Instead of being humble, we tend to be proud. Uh, instead of being tolerant, we tend to be uh, intolerant. And then instead of, being, instead of wanting to offer respect to others, we want to criticize others. And instead of... Uh, Instead of not desiring to be respected, we are very much concerned that people respect us. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says, when one has the consciousness of being completely tolerant and humble, 
then one can actually be a Vaishnava, then one can actually chant the holy names of the Lord constantly. So Dhruv Maharaj had uh, become such a Vaishnava. It's very interesting that we find in Bhaktivinoda Thakur's songs that in his uh, Siddhi Lalasa, his desire for perfection, he mentions one of, one of the things he's like desiring, really strongly desiring, <laughs> is that the uh, materialistic people will reject him as a madman and throw dust on him. Amare bishoi pagala balea ongete dibeka dhuli. He's longing for that day. When will that, when will I achieve that perfection that materialistic people will reject me? And we find here that the king Uttanapada, he was uh, his the whole setup of his palace and his garden and ground. The whole idea is that materialistic people will respect you. And Bhaktivinoda Thakur is designed that people will call me uh, crazy and throw dust out of just means just out of disgust they will throw dust. So they'll be called a madman. He's a madman in you see in India wandering around the streets and with no relationship with anyone, just in a crazy world of his own, all dirty, no one cares for him. It's uh, to be called crazy is it's an insult and we see that the the status of crazy people wandering the streets in India, it's, it's the lowest. <laughs> they don't have any status whatsoever. They don't have any relationship with anyone. They're just mad. But Bhaktivinoda Thakur is thinking, well, that would be a very good situation, is if out of madness of love for Krishna, that materialistic people would reject me. So this is uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur's uh, insight on the what it actually means to be humble, not not just to be uh, not just to be not respected or not just to be neglected, but to be actually not not to be not given respect, but to actually be totally disrespected. And he's thinking, well, that would be very good. So it's difficult for us in our present state of consciousness to understand this. Anyway, Dhruv Maharaj, he's now a Vaishnava and he doesn't care for respect. But as we uh, learned in a few, a few verses ago, even his stepmother, who had been so inimical to him, she also offered him respect. And Srila Prabhupada in the purport comments that everyone offers respect to a Vaishnava, but that can be very dangerous for a Vaishnava. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu warns about that. that uh, the desire for respect is its a cause of fall down, or one's already fallen if one desires respect. It's, it's not a Vaishnava principle. That uh, he lists Upashaka, the weeds that go around the Creeper of devotional service, Nishid, Acha, Kutinati, Jibe, Hingshan, Lab, Puja, Pratishta, 
Jato Upashakagon. He says that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says that uh, forbidden activities, duplicity, uh, envy of other living beings or violence against other living beings, the desire for profit, the desire for worship and the desire for respect. These are all causes of bhakti being spoiled and our acharyas have pointed out that even if one overcomes the desire for gross sense gratification one uh, it may be very difficult to overcome the desire for respect and it's a trap of maya and it may be even more so in the modern age when we have to go and preach the the Babaji Sampradaya. They they criticize the line of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur in which our Iskon falls. That, oh, this going and preaching, this is inviting respect. So you shouldn't do it. It's It's spoils Bhakti. And actually, it can be true also. It's just like uh, we, these beautiful gardens are being described in the garden, in the palace of Uttanapada. So we, we make the, the, the temples for Krishna. The idea is that he's the greatest king, so he should have the best building. And that is uh, offering respect to him, that is suitable for him. But then the devotees who uh, construct such a temple and they may be respected for that also. I mean, the culture of India is such that sadhus are respected and actually we invite that because for preaching unless people respect us if they think we're madmen it's not practical for preaching because then no one's going to take us seriously. So therefore Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur invite he he gave sannyas to his preachers and had them uh, ride in motor cars, which was unheard of in those days. That sadhus would go in motor cars and they had big opulent buildings. The idea was to uh, garner respect so that people would listen to their message. But that can be very dangerous also because if one is being respected, then it's, it's uh, very addictive. It's, uh, to, to be honored is very pleasing for uh, anyone but a pure devotee. The, 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 to be honored, it, it's, it seems very oh, it's so nice. People are praising me, but they're, they're offering me respect. But the, the result is that if one appreciates that or if one tries to enjoy that, that it spoils our bhakti. It's like the worst poison. So it's a conundrum. You know what that means? You probably don't know. It's like a kind of a, a riddle or a dilemma. 
that we have to preach Krishna consciousness. But actually to preach we have to be devotees. If we're not devotees, then we can't preach. But if we preach and then we get honored, then we're not devotees. Although we may be dressed as devotees. People, they see us dressed as devotees. We put on this, this wearing the red cloth. We wear that exactly for the reason that Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur gave his followers sanya, some of them. Because the red cloth is respected as the sign of a renunciant, of a holy person. The, the Brahmin's thread is a sign of a... Well, it's supposed to be the sign of a, a spiritually elevated person, but in Indian society it's come to be recognized as the sign of a certain caste, which until recently was... Uh, most of its members were engaged in religious activities and were respected for that. So the major reason for Bhaktisthan Sarsartako giving the Brahmin thread was to... What's this pointing? Can you understand? He's a worker, okay. It's not so good to lean on the... lean in front of the deities. On the, you just tell him that he can sit down or... Put, put, not very respectful. We should be respectful to Bhagawan. So, leaning with one's arms folded, leaning on the pillar, is not very respectful. Yeah, the the Brahmins they knew this. They were trained in this. Maybe the, there was a reason why the the uh, lower caste people weren't allowed in the temples because they didn't have the clean habits, they, often they were, they were sinful, and mostly they were meat-eaters, and uh, they didn't have the training, so how to act in a temple. So the Brahmins were respected, and that's one reason why Bhaktisthana Saraswati Thakur gave that to his disciples, so that they would be respected when they went to preach. But on the other hand, it's, uh, it's very dangerous. And in delivering the message, the person delivering it, they may become affected by the respect offered to them. So while they're talking to others about surrendering completely to Krishna, they're, they're even maybe unknown to themselves. They're boosting their false ego. And Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswataka was aware of this. He told the story of Balam Rice. That there's one story of a an estate owner. Just saying how those who have large estates they require large staff to run the estate on. You need gardeners and watchmen and uh, butlers and all, all kinds of workers. So he couldn't keep the, the owner of estate of the estate. He couldn't keep workers for very long. They'd stay for some time and then they'd go off. You have experience in that trying to do the construction work here. The workers come for a few days and then they don't come, and it's very troublesome. To you can't properly 
uh, organize anything, you can't get any work done properly, it's, it's very troublesome to do anything. So again and again he would hire workers and they would leave with, soon and then he'd have to hire more and then show them, show them what to do and then they, again they would go and it was very troublesome for him. So a friend of his advised that you feed all your workers daily with balam rice and ghee, balam rice being of very high quality rice. And what happened was that uh, workers, they were taking this and then they went away. But they would come back because they couldn't get such nice food anywhere else. And they would say that, actually I went away but the other boss, he wasn't as nice as you and I, I, I really appreciate working with you. No one ever came back to say that previously. So they were saying that, but actually they wanted the good food. They, they'd got a taste for the good food, and they they uh, they came back for that. So Bhaktisthan Sarsar Thakur said that uh, an acharya, he may offer his disciples material incentives just to get them to do the service. Service has to be... It's once you create an institution, you require so many people to run it on. And... You may have people who are not actually spiritually qualified to do so, but you give them anyway a big position, and people think they're very advanced devotees. Uh, but they're actually they're interested in the honor that comes with the post, although they're not supposed to be interested in that, but they are because they've become addicted to that, and they might do a very good job of managing also. But... Uh, they don't become advanced in Krishna consciousness. So, uh, therefore, devotees should be aware of this and should be satyanu sandhitsu, which means the, always uh, seeking reality, seeking the actual essence for which we have always, which we came for, because it's easy to be sidetracked by ulterior motives. That I want to be, people should respect me properly, and it may be true that if one's in a situation, he should be respected. In a position, he should be respected properly. But as Srila Prabhupada points out in that, uh, in the Ajamil section of the Bhagavatam. The members of the Krishna Consciousness Movement, they should remember where they came from, <laughs> what abominable backgrounds we came from, and and uh, always be careful not to be victim. We, we can fall down very easily. There's, grow, there's one kind of fall down that's gross fall down that's very obvious. But there's also subtle fall down where one's not actually up on the transcendental platform is rather down in the uh, consideration of how important I am, I'm doing so much, uh, and in the meantime you're not really making any advancement, although it might look like that because everyone respects you for your position. and So we have to be very careful uh, you may be aware that uh, His Holiness Radhanath Swami is all, I mean, again and again and again, 
exhorting his disciples, be humble, you have to be humble, humility, which is actually the, the main quality of a Vaishnava is to be humble, but it's, it's so difficult, it, it's, it's so much easier to put on saffron cloth than to be humble. It's so much easier to chant Hare Krishna and bang a drum and even play it very well or even maybe distribute lots of books and collect lots of money and talk uh, in a very pleasing way. But to actually be humble, it's which, which what actually it means to be a Vaishnava. It's, it's not such an easy thing. But if we forget that, if we think respect is meant for me instead of understanding that respect is meant for Krishna, then we lost everything. And can be particularly uh, difficult for people in, in as much as uh, people come and, and within a short time, because we, we have such a need to preach Krishna consciousness and we need everyone engaged in that, so... Uh, it's sending out devotees to preach who are not uh, maybe not spiritually qualified in many ways to do so they they can learn the techniques of doing it but the the uh, internal realization which is uh, that jagai madhai hoite muise papishta purise this is Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami's qualification for writing Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita. He said, he considers that I am more sinful than Jagai and Madhai and lower than a worm in stool. Anyone who hears my name loses their pious activities, pious results, and anyone who says my name becomes sinful by doing so. I mean, that's his qualification. That's his Mahabhagavat, great devotee. But uh, we have devotee, the people come in and, they, like I say, they learn a few, few songs and learn a few things and they're sent out to preach. And the common people don't know anything and they, they think, oh, well, Someone can say one or two Bhagavad Gita shlokas and they think, oh, highly learned. <laughs> and, uh, oh, or just the fact that they're dressed in saffron. Many people, they give much respect. So, like I say, it's a conundrum. We, we, we bring people in for spiritual advancement and at the same time put them in a position where they're... They can make tremendous spiritual advancement by preaching Krishna consciousness and getting the mercy of Srila Prabhupada and all the Acharyas. But on the other hand, if they, uh, they're also in a very dangerous situation of thinking that, well, now, uh, you know, I'm great. You see, all these people are praising me and I'm doing so much and uh, I must be great. It's obvious. So, we can consider what Dhruva Maharaj, he also became a Vaishnava and respected very quickly, but uh, what he went through. <laughs> he, his uh, level of commitment, we can learn from that. We, of course, not to 
imitate his activities, but his level of intense commitment won for him the mercy of the Supreme Lord by which he attained not the planet of Dhruvaloka, that was, that was the uh, externally manifest result of, of the Lord's mercy on him, but the, the actual result was that he became a, a Vaishnava, which is that he became a humble servant of Krishna, which puts him in a much more exalted position than all the demigods. And we, they, actually that's going on eternally, or at least as long as this universe exists, that all the demigods, they continuously circumambulate Dhruva Maharaj. They're offering respect to him by going round and round him. So he attained, a, in a very short time, he attained a position greater than that of Indra. Here it's mentioned in the purport about Indra, how there was a big fight when Krishna took away the Parijata tree. And why should Indra be worried? You know, he's, he's a couple of, you know, a tree, uh, so what? You want to go to war? Oh, someone took a tree from my garden. Okay, declare war. It seems a bit extreme, but it's the, it's the symbolism that Indra was thinking that Krishna is just a human prince and if he wants to help me, that's all right, but you know, he should respect my position. But Krishna didn't. Krishna didn't respect his position. And Indra became so upset that he, uh, he forgot that he's supposed to be a servant of Krishna and he was ready to fight and maybe in his own mind he might have thought he would kill Krishna. So, it's the same thing. What is this? What is he doing? He came here and he took the tree away. And what is that? Punish him. So, it's the... His respect is not upheld. So, we have to examine our motives also. We have to examine what... What are we doing? Why are we doing? Are we, are we doing this because we want to please Krishna or are we doing this because we want to make a show of pleasing Krishna and then others will say, oh, what a Vaishnava. And we'll enjoy that, but we won't get love of Krishna. So, just like Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, he would give, all right, you be a sannyasi. All right, you be in charge of the mart. Okay, you be, take Brahmin initiation. It may be just to, it may, may be just to uh, pacify his followers. I know one of uh, the present Acharya of one of the main branches of the Gorya Mart, which is split into many branches, but, but uh, he's old now, and he's, he says that every, those who are close to him say, Maharaj, when you pass away, it's going to be all chaos. All these people around you, he said, they're, they're just like unruly, and he said, I, why do you even keep them with you? He said, yeah, but you know, I need, when I go preaching, I need someone to you know, play Nanga and be with me. <laughs> and 
I need someone, even though they don't listen to anything that he, they don't care to follow him, but at least they, uh, something's going on. Otherwise, he said, I'd be on my own. So, that's a sad situation where uh, people, uh, they don't actually care to follow. They're, they're interested in their, their own position and prestige and it, uh, it can destroy all whole spiritual institutions. What to speak of the individual spiritual life of those who are cultivating such illicit desires. So, we should be very careful. Especially in India where, as I was saying, there's a culture of respect and even someone who's quite new, they can, uh, if they're quite materially adept and ambitious, they can quickly get followers and people respecting them. But, Actually, in the West, it's like the opposite situation where devotees are often afraid to wear their devotee dress because people, they're afraid that people will call them bad names. And when they go out to preach, it's, you know, often people will heckle them. Heckle means to start shouting at them and calling them bad names and don't allow them to speak. That's quite possible. And there's no culture, well, in many countries in the West, there's no culture of respect for for people dressed as sadhus. There may have been some time ago, long time ago, before the before the Protestantism came in. This, uh, you know, a few hundred years ago, there might have been some respect in countries like England and Sweden, but. Now, now, interestingly, these countries where they had the Protestantism and they don't respect sadhus, these, uh, it's mostly this Ritvik movement is doing well there <laughs> because they don't have a culture of, of respect. So respect for sadhus, is, that's culture, that's required. And we may uh, boost that respect because of course there's some kind of sadhus everyone in India knows there are many sadhus who, who are sadhus just to fill their bellies so we may dress in nice clothes and go in nice vehicles and build nice temples just so that common people who have no idea what is spiritual life which is quite obvious from all the totally bogus people who are respected as sadhus in India if they see a big building, they think, oh, yeah, that's very important, all right. And then we might be able to just about start to preach something to them because they have some kind of respect, even if it's on a, actually on a mundane platform. So it's important to maintain the respect, but then we have to remember that that's all meant for Krishna. And if we become desirous of that for ourselves then we miss the point altogether and our own spiritual life becomes stunted. Hare Krishna, any question about this, please? Or comment? As I'm sitting on the seat above you, being respected, I suppose.
Yeah, they're, they're just they thought that, that a, new, a newer devotee, they may get some respect from their so-called preaching. But, and they become addicted to that because they didn't actually get the taste of, of the, the, the bliss of surrender to Krishna. So the taste of being respected, it's, it's something very relishable to them. But then they never go, do get the taste of surrender to Krishna because they never do actually surrender to Krishna. And they're just cultivating their own prestige being boosted. Even in that situation, they, they can people can do the, the right things for the wrong reasons. They can be, okay, build a temple, distribute books. And they can be doing the, it's the good things, but they do it for the wrong reason. And if there's someone who can present the right reason, then it's useful to build the temple. Otherwise, if the temple just becomes a place for uh, people to live comfortably and boost their egos, then uh, it's useless, which is why book distribution is better, actually, because in distributing Srila Prabhupada's books, there's, the actual message is there, whereas in the temple it might not be at all. <laughs> yeah. How to be aware of that? How to, how to be aware? Well, that requires introspection, doesn't it? And it requires to discuss these things from time to time. All these different points should be discussed from time to time because by the nature of Maya, we forget. The last class I gave was on the... Uh, or one of the last times I gave one was being careful about the uh, sexual attraction. We all know that, we've all heard of it, but unless we're reminded of it from time to time and the mechanics of how maya works then we may tend to become loose so all these points have to be discussed regularly which is why Srila Prabhupada discusses them regularly in his purports <laughs> Bhagavatam discusses and brings out these points yeah anything else Madhurena Samapiyat